Hello, and welcome back to Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. My name is Erin Strauss, and to kick off the new year with a very special edition of Best Book Ever, I will be hosting this episode and interviewing my mother and your usual host, Julie Strauss. Today, I'll be turning the tables on my mom and asking her all of the things she likes to ask her weekly guests. We'll talk about books, goals for 2023, Mr. Darcy, and everything in between. So let's get into it. (laughs) That was excellent. Hello, Julie Strauss. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. How you doing? How's your day going? My day's going great. Thank you, sweet girl. Oh my goodness. The interviewer has become the interviewee. <laughs> How does it feel to be on your own podcast? Um, I'll be honest. Well, I not... guess you're on your own podcast every week. Yeah, but... that's true. I'm. It feels a little weird. Not entirely comfortable with it, but you know, let's just see where this goes. Yes, I have lots of questions for you about books, about life, about everything. So let's just get right into it, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. My first question. I want you to tell me and the people, <laughs> all your fans, your journey as a reader. When did you start to read? What's the first book you remember loving? Just tell me where it all began. I do not remember not reading. And that is because my mom always read and I always wanted to be like her. And so I remember we lived in in our house in the desert and she was always reading on the couch and I would always go get her books and sit next to her on the couch because I thought it made me a big girl to sit and read, even though I was not reading, but I would pretend to read and I would just hold her books, you know, Daniel Steele romances and pretend to read them. And then All of a sudden, I just could read, and I don't remember the space in between. So it feels to me like I was always reading. Let's talk, let's shift to specific books. So it's the end of the year. Tell me about some of your favorite books that you read this year. Okay, I'll tell you what. I had an absolutely garbage reading year, and that is because, as you know, we went through a whole lot as a family this year. And the thing that went absolutely out the window for me was reading. I did not complete a lot of books, which is unusual for me. Like I would start things and even though I liked them, I would not get very far into them. Or I would start them and lose track because of all the different, you know what this year was like, lots of trips to the hospital and all these different things. And I would I I just lost the plot on a lot of books and then I didn't have the energy to pick them up again. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a really big well to draw from when it comes to this. But I will say, as things settled down for our family toward the end of this year, and I sort of wrapped up my podcast reading and recording for the year, and then I asked you and your brother you know, I'm ready to read just on my own. I'm ready to just, just read. And my work was done for the year. This was about the beginning of December. And you two gave me, I think my two favorite books of the year, I think. And so the first one was, you know, your brother talks every single year on the kids episode um, that Neil Schusterman's his favorite author. And you handed me a book that you had just finished and lost your mind about by Neil Schusterman called um, Unwind. Unwind. 
And holy moly, I will tell our listeners that, um, well, because you know this, because I locked myself in my bedroom and I yelled at you all not to come in because I was wrapping presents, which was a gigantic lie, yes. which you knew it was a lie because you heard me yelling as I yes. came to important plot points. And then I came out crying. It was uh, like I just skipped everything that day that I was reading it. And I binged that book in one day. I mean, it's the greatest plot idea, actually. I don't know if I'd call it dystopian. We have a civil war in America over the issue, the single issue of abortion. And the the truce they agree on is that there's no such thing as abortion anymore. A, a life cannot be touched from the moment of conception until the age of 13. But at the age of 13, a parent can choose to unwind a child um, as long as every single bit of them is donated to a to an organ donation because then technically that person is still alive. They're not dead. They're unwound. And so the story focuses on three kids who have been set for unwinding for different reasons. One's a ward of the state. One is being tithed to a church. Um, one is just a really problematic troublemaker of a kid. And they all three escape and they sort of, they have to live until they're 18, in which case they're safe. They're going to go to jail for leaving, but they're um, not going to be unwound. And holy moly, what a book. As you and I discussed many times, because we've been talking about this book pretty much nonstop, you have no idea what the author's actual beliefs on this particular issue are, which I think takes incredible skill. Mm -hmm. But it makes you think about the issue all the way to its endpoints and Holy moly, it is so well crafted and so well done. And even if you don't want to think about this issue in particular, it is just so well paced and there are lots of gasp out loud moments and oh my gosh, it was an incredible read. I'll say I wanted to read this book because we, my little brother and I went to a book signing for Neil Schusterman and he talked about Unwind and one thing he said about his books is... After the whole, and he specified, there's nothing wrong with dystopian future books, the whole, you know, Maze Runner, Hunger Games, Divergent mm -hmm. phase. He said he was so tired of reading books about when the future went wrong, and he wanted to write about what if the future went right? What if this debate was solved? What would that solution look like? Oh. You know? And that's the same. I've This is the only book of his I've read, but I guess it's the same with Scythe and with his other books is like, what if we figured out a way humans could live forever? He's a genius. So, okay. So Unwind and what was the other one? The other one was Life After Life by Kate Atkinson, which is your sister, Ella's, um, the, fa the favorite book she chose for the kids episode a couple years ago is Behind the Scenes at the Museum by Kate Atkinson. She's had this one on her shelf. And then I've had two people on the podcast talk to me about this book this year. And so I finally sat down and it was the same thing. It took me, I think, two days to read it. And I tore through it. And it's another one, just like Behind the Scenes at the Museum. It takes, it takes a bit and by a bit, I mean like 10 pages to kind of settle in and understand where we're going here. But it starts off with a woman who gives birth to a baby and uh, the cords wrapped around the baby's neck and the baby dies. And that's the first chapter. And it's like three paragraphs. B 
because the the midwife didn't show up. And then the next chapter is the same one, but the midwife made it and the baby lived. And it's a couple of paragraphs about that baby's life. And then at the age of five, that baby drowns in the ocean when they're on a family vacation. And then in the next chapter, a man sitting and painting on the beach happened to see the kid playing by the water and said, oh, get away from the water. And then so each chapter is that life goes a little bit longer because of... So it's not like multiverse kind of thing. It's just like, what if these things actually happened or didn't happen? What would this life have have looked like? She's not reliving her life. She's just living it differently based on different circumstances. And, and, And it goes through World War II and there's all sorts of like different outcomes because of the war. And I can't even tell you how much I love this book. It's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life in that Everybody's life is a little bit different based on how her life is. And I don't know what it means. Like the the final one, like, is that her correct life? That was the right one? Is there one that was the right one or are none of them right? And they were all just circumstantial. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was so good. One thing I've always known about you is your favorite book is Howard's End. And although I've never read it, um, have I ever made you watch the movie with me? Nope. Oh. Um, although I've never read it or watched the movie, why don't you talk a little bit about what you like about Howard Zen and why it's your favorite book? Just you, a little. Yeah. I've talked about Howard Zen a lot on this podcast. I will say, having just today finished a reread of it, because I do tend to read it around Christmas time or like first of the new year, I think what I like best about it and I'm sure this could be said about every single book, is that every time I read it, I think about a different character very deeply. Mm-hmm. And it is always stunning to me how relevant it is to life today. Every single time, I think that's exactly like what's going on in the world right now with this, even though it was written in 1910. And the characters get more complex every single time I read it, but I do not dislike them, even though their flaws are very evident and mm. they're such real people and I just never get tired of them. Even when I dislike them, I'm not tired of them. What is one book that you think everyone should read? I think everyone should read A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle, which is a children's book, but it's about so much more. And again, an imperfect family and a flawed heroine who gets better every time you read her. And I loved it so much, even though I did not become a fantasy or sci-fi reader at all in my adult life. It was one of my absolute favorites as a kid because it was a smart, weird girl who saved her family, even though she didn't feel like she could get things right most of the time. And I just always loved her so much. And I think it is such a good book to show what books can do and what a life of the mind can do. If I were to answer that question, I would probably say The Giver. Mm, and I think... No, that's a good one. I think, honestly, children's books are where it's at. Like, The Giver and A Wrinkle in Time, like, when you read them... Well, I haven't... I've only read A Wrinkle in Time once when I was in, like, sixth grade. But, like, I would assume it's the same as The Giver, which I've read a thousand times. Um, you know, when you read them more and more, you, as an adult, you realize, like, oh, a child didn't write this, you know what I mean? Like, an adult wrote this, and they thought about the plot, and they gave meaning to it, and, like, when you read it as a kid, you maybe don't understand that as much, and then you, every time you read it, you realize, you understand it more. 
Totally. And I think there's something so important about kids' books for kids and for adults, because it's a way into really hard topics, even though you don't know it. When you're a kid, when I was a kid, I just thought, what a crazy adventure little Meg went on. Mm-hmm. And when reading reading it to you guys as an adult made me see how formative it was on my life. Mm-hmm. And it is really important to read as an adult to see what words can do and they can mean such different things and they can mm-hmm. be they can be comfortable ways into really really difficult subjects. Yeah, and like with the giver it's very much like reading that I was as a kid I was like what a what a weird like future not even future like what a weird world that these characters live in you know like where there's no color and there's no like hills and there's you know but then when you read it now and I'm like oh my god like this could be even like a metaphor for like social media or like conformity or like whatever yeah I love it and kids books are the way to do that because they're easy to digest you know what book keeps coming to my mind I don't remember that the name but it's not even a chapter book that one picture book about the balloons remember that oh like the best it's called the remember balloons yes by jesse oliveros so basically what this book was about was it was about this little boy who is growing up and basically memories are basically in the form of balloons so as he's getting older he's getting more and more balloons and each balloon has a memory and he sees his elderly grandfather has hundreds of balloons and he starts letting go of them one by one by one and the little boy is like what's going on why is he losing his balloons and then at the end of the book the grandpa starts telling him his memories and starts kind of passing his balloons down to the little boy and so in the end all his balloons kind of float into the sky or however they do it the little boy is holding his own balloons and some of his grandpa's balloons and it is just the best the best thing ever like it we both started crying in a barnes and noble and my point is that's a really good example of of how children's books can can do that. <laughs> it's just one of those unexpected, simple drawings, lovely colors, and then at the end you're sobbing, and oh my god, that was rough. So one thing I do want to talk about is let's talk about book characters. So first off, I asked you this the other day so you could have time to prepare. Let's see if you did. Who is your favorite book character? Okay, well... I did, because you asked me this, and then I went and read Howard's End, and I do, I mean, I think Margaret Schlegel is my my all-time answer. She's basically the main character of Howard's End, and I like her because she is flawed, and I really like flawed, messy people. Mm-hmm. She's the person who keeps the family together, though, despite blunders and despite all these things that happen to them, she's the one who keeps keeps everyone connected keeps that's her motto in the book is only connect right and she is able to bridge the gap between her husband who's an industrialist and her sister who's a poet and i love her so much even though she's not always right Mm -hmm. but you know who i think that comes from is the book that i tried to get you to read for your entire life harriet the spy 
you were a kid, I always tried to get you to read this book, and you never did. And I think, like, my love of flawed female characters comes from her, because I thought she was such a plucky little girl. You know, mm. she walked around her neighborhood, and she kept a notebook, and she spied on everyone, and she wrote down what she thought she saw and what it was. And then, of course, what happened is one of her friends eventually finds her notebook, and everything blows up in her face. Mm-hmm. And... I just have such affection for plucky little girls who are trying to understand things and usually getting things wrong Mm -hmm. and making mistakes. I kind of, after you asked me this question a week ago and told me to think about it, I started thinking like every single book character I have liked has been based on Harriet (laughs) because, you know, someone who's trying her best and is maybe a little too smart and a little too bookish for her own good kind of screws up, but then it all works up in the out in the end. Yeah. I do love those kinds of characters. Hermione Granger. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, because the thing I read in a book one time that has stuck with me. Okay. It says, then I'll tell you, the best books, they don't talk about things you've never thought of before. They talk about things you'd always thought of, but you didn't think anyone else has thought of, has thought about. You read them and suddenly you're a little bit less alone in the world. You're a part of this cosmic community of people who have thought about this thing, whatever it happens to be. Isn't that so good? It's so perfect. Mm -hmm. So, And the other thing I was thinking when you told me to think about my favorite character is I was thinking, well, is that question like which character is most like me? And it occurred to me that it's not at all, right? Like Mm. if we read a character just like us, it would be so boring. Yeah. And the really great characters that we love so deeply are the ones that are sort of like us and have Mm -hmm. those thoughts that we haven't actually voiced. Mm -hmm. So we feel really close and connected to them. But they're not just like us because we need them to go on adventures or or think other things that we wouldn't think or do things that we wouldn't do in order to stay interested in them. Yeah. But when they have those thoughts that are really close to our inner thoughts that we don't even know that we have yet, Mm -hmm. those are the characters that we just want to keep living with. Well, you know what? And I'm going to talk about therapy because we're destigmatizing therapy here. My therapist told me this and what you were just saying resonates because we were talking about how um, like situations are never going to be the same. No one's ever going to have the same situation as you, but emotions are the same. So it's like, even though you're reading about a character who's going through things that you've never been through, Mm -hmm. you can relate to their reaction to it and their like grief. For example, I was reading a book one time, like when I was in therapy and when I was feeling those feelings, I was reading a book one time about a girl who had an eating disorder And I've never had an eating disorder. I cannot relate to that. However, there was one paragraph where she was talking about how everything outside felt like it was moving and she felt like her room was still. And I read that and I was like, that's how I feel. And that's not to say I have an eating disorder and I couldn't relate to her situation, but I could relate to that feeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? That sensation Uh. of there's this one place, this is the only place where it's still. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really good. So it's like, you can't necessarily like relate to Hermione Granger in the fact that you're a wizard, but you can relate to her in the fact that, you know, maybe you were bullied for your looks, but you're super smart or, you know, so it's like, it's not the situation, it's the emotion. 
Okay, I have one more question, but before that, I have some rapid-fire questions for you. So these are, don't think too much about it. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? I don't want you to think, okay? Erin. No, these are not hard. I promise you. Can I just say, I'm just going to share this story of my kids are obsessed with a comedian called Bo Burnham, and he does some very biting social commentary, and particularly is unafraid to talk about things like grief and sadness and horror at the world. And my kids watch everything that he does. And that one time you guys were talking about if I should watch one of his specials. And one of you said, um, no, mom can watch it as long as she doesn't think too much about it. And you said, that is all mom does (laughs) is think. (laughs) Well, I so don't I don't. Ex- to... Whenever there's rapid fire things, I freak out a little bit because I don't like it not having the opportunity to think. These are not hard questions. These are like one answer, okay. like like short answer, like just think. Okay, okay. ready? Okay. okay, okay. Favorite genre to read? Uh, historical fiction. Favorite genre to write? Oh, literary fiction. Book you'll never get tired of reading. Howard's End. Okay, shocker. <laughs> Favorite Harry Potter book? Uh, the sixth one is the okay. best one. Half-Blood Prince. Okay. Book you'd love to see turned into a movie? Oh. Unwind. Okay. Can you imagine if that was a movie? God, it would be good. This is a yes or no. Okay. Is Mr. Darcy actually just an asshole? <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> and second of all, no. Oh, how you are dare so you? Wrong. Why is he an asshole? He is the biggest asshole. Why? Because he doesn't suffer fools. And you know what? Just those of us who don't suffer because fools. Because he's pretentious and elitist. He doesn't like obnoxious, money-hungry chatterboxes. Okay, there's the pretentiousness. <laughs> Excuse me, have you ever seen Colin Firth? How dare you? I Are you my daughter? I don't even know you anymore. What is happening? Get your dad. Okay. Okay, last rapid fire question. Are you ready? This is a quick one. Okay. Am I your favorite child? We all know the answer to that. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and that concludes our rapid fire portion of this interview. <laughs> I have one last question for you, Julie. Yes, darling. Oh my god, it feels so weird calling you Julie. I mean, you can just call me mom. How about? Okay. My last question is, what are your 2023 goals? Let's talk about it. Oh, What yeah. do you see for yourself? What do you see for the podcast? What do you see for your books? What are your goals, dreams, aspirations? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, actually, today I just wrote a bucket list of 20 things I want to do in Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about some of them. I want to go horseback riding. Okay. I want to take surf lessons. Beautiful. I want to host at least one dinner party. Ah, love. I want to travel by myself somewhere, ah, somewhere queen. new. Queen. Um, what, are you, what's, what, are you, what are your resolutions? Um, I personally don't believe in new year's resolutions okay but see that's the thing is these weren't resolutions was the wrong yeah because those were all bucket list things like yeah i think my if we are gonna say the word resolution is to not wait to start things no more resolutions 
If I want to do something, I'm not going to say, I'll start it in January. I'll start it at the beginning of the month. I'm just going to start it. Nice. That's my resolution because I think resolutions are stupid. <laughs> but let's talk about reading resolutions. Yes. Let's talk about your reading goals. What are they? Okay. So last year I set this goal that I wasn't going to buy any new books. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I mean, honestly, to be fair, though, I feel you got pretty far through the year. Keeping the resolution. I did. I did pretty well. So the fact, that's the thing about resolutions too, is you set these things and if you don't do it 100%, you feel like you failed. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, I think I spent so much less money on books this year. Yeah. But it was such a garbage reading year that I did not make a dent in my at-home unread books, Mm -hmm. which, so it feels like a failure to me. No. I know. It's weird. It's a weird mentality. Yeah. That's see. This is why I don't like resolutions yeah. personally. They're by definition like that you they're they're almost doomed to fail. Yeah, because you don't see the improvement. You only see when you get it wrong. Yeah. So what are your goals? Okay, for twenty twenty three. So I have a lot of go- of unread books in this house. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I don't think someday I'm gonna have to go like on Instagram or something and really tell the truth about how many of the books in this house are unread. Well, it's remember the fact we learned that. Well, I learned and I told you that any space with over a thousand books is technically considered a library, and we have well over a thousand books. So just think of our house as your personal library. Yeah, and just like every library on Earth, most of the books in here are not read by me. Yeah. Yeah. By any of us. By any of us, really. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) That makes me feel not at all better. Okay. (laughs) But what I thought this year, because I do like to set little goals, like not num. I don't like numbers goals, like I'm going to read 50 books or 100 books. I never like doing that. So what I'm thinking for my 2023 goals is, you know, I have these shelves full of unread books and I love them all dearly and I'm going to eventually read them all because I'm going to live to be 150. (laughs) Um, but one shelf in particular is unread book of the month club books, which I subscribe to book of the month. And, um, you know, I get a new book from them every month and every month I'm always super, super excited about mm-hmm. those. But I think this year, those are going to be, I'm going to get through that pile because I have them all in one and they're so beautiful together. They're yeah, just beautiful, they're so hardbound. Pretty. Yeah. I'm going to get through that stack. That's going to be, or I'm going to make a dent. How about that? Yeah. That's the resolution. Because you also, you know, you don't want that to become a chore. You know what I mean? Exactly. So read as many as you can, but also make time for other books or books I recommend. Okay. What are you reading right now, Julie? Well, (laughs) you know how you just said you always recommend books to me. You are my book whisperer. As you know, this morning I finished my annual read through of Hards End. So I don't have, I'm going to pick what to read next, you know, within the next hour or so, because it's time to start reading again. What do you think I should read next? Because listeners, Erin is, whenever I talk about my kid who is my book whisperer, that's this one I'm talking to right now. She has an incredible knack for picking out really, really great, almost always YA books, but not always. She has an incredible knack for winnowing through and getting to the best. So tell me what I should pick up next. I'm going to tell you the same book I've been telling you for the past six months, and that is The Silent Patient. And if you postpone that anymore, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I don't know what to tell you. Let's see what else. Let's see. 
So all the books I've read with one or more stars next Hit. to them this year have been The Midnight Library, Verity, Colleen Hoover, mm-hmm. um, The Invention of Hugo Cabret. Obviously, I've that was a reread, but I had to give it a star because that's oh, one of the greatest books that of all time. Oh, I haven't read that in so long. Um, the Silent Patient, Unwind, and Ain't Burned All the Bright, which you read that one. So that one has four stars next to it because that's like the best book I've ever read, so... Wait, your star is your star system is either one star if it's great and four stars. If <laughs> well, it's... if it's like great, I put one star. If it knocks me on my ass, it's so good. Which was unwind and ain't burned all the bright this year. Then I just go like star, 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 star. Gotcha. So, so it's was... either just a good read or it's a great read or it's knock you on your butt. Exactly. So zero stars, one star, four star makes absolute yeah. sense. <laughs> Do you finish your thumbs down books? I have this horrible, and I'm literally doing it right now with the book I'm reading because I do like the book I'm reading, but I have this horrible thing where it it makes me really uncomfortable not to, like, finish a book once I've gotten, like, a third of the way through. Like, it it, it hurts me in my body (laughs) (laughs) for some reason to, like, be halfway through a book and not finish it. So. I know. It's a really bad, it's a really bad trait. Because no, it's really common. I have met so many people on this podcast who like, it just physically cannot so, not finish. And I'm always like, I always am like, ah, but what if it gets good, you know? So I keep reading and then I'm too far to stop. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm going to force myself to finish it. And the book I'm reading now is still really good. There's a <laughs> gal in my thriller book club who reads like the first third of the book and then the last chapter. And that then is- that's it unbelievably barbaric. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Explain yourself, please. Okay. That felt harsh. I'm eager to hear. I am, I apologize. I'm sure this is a lovely woman if she's listening. She's awesome. She, I'm sure. That is insurmountable. (laughs) I can't think of words dramatic enough <laughs> to convey my feelings on that. Okay. Because those words don't exist. Okay. The, I can't, like, I literally get off words. <laughs> Listeners, she's very flummoxed. <laughs> Which is weird because you've literally told me about her before and you've literally told me she does this. And so, like, I know. And I still can't even comprehend why anyone would do this. Because... For thriller books, like, are you kidding? Like, you're going to miss the character development. You're going to miss the joy of thinking you know how it ends. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to miss everything. You're going to miss the buildup. You're going to miss that feeling in your chest you get when it's, like, you know, going towards the end and you're like, it's about to happen. It's about to happen. (laughs) You're going to miss that. You're going to miss all the characters' development. You're going to miss, like, their. what if they reveal stuff about their backstories in the middle of the book? You're going to miss that. You're going to miss all the buildup. And the buildup is the best part in any thriller. Truly. Truly. No, the reveal is the best part. But the reveal's only good if the buildup's good. Yes. That's a good point. Okay, but what if it's a book you dislike, but you're, you've are you got that feeling in your stomach? Like you said, you physically can't bring yourself to not read it. Like, <laughs> well, that's just a me thing. Like, that's Okay, the- <laughs> but what if you're at that point and instead you just read the last chapter and that way you know, okay, so this is how it well, resolves. Well, those are never like... I've never personally experienced that with a thriller. Mm. Also, That's weird. like imagine doing that with a movie. Everyone would laugh in your face. Mm. 
I don't know. There have been many, many, many movies where I get bored in the middle and I leave and go read a book and then dad comes to bed later and I go, okay, so how did it end? And he'll go, oh, so-and-so was the murder. And I go, okay. Yeah, but like, I feel that that's different than like actually like actively going into a movie and being like, I'm going to watch the first and last 20 minutes. You know, like then are you really like, are you actually like wanting that or are you just like impatient? Yeah. You know? That's a good point. Because you're just missing the depth and the yeah. detail. And the work someone put into that. Julie. <laughs> it, <laughs> I do not like it when you call me Julie. It has been <laughs> such a pleasure to have you on my podcast. <laughs> and I had such a fun time hosting New Yearly Tradition. I think yes. I think yes. Why? My answers won't change, though, about, like, my favorite book and Well, stuff. I'll come up with new questions and better questions every year. But the point is, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> I'm so happy you let me host. I'm so happy we had this wonderful conversation. Awesome. High five. <laughs> Did you have to say that so it doesn't sound like you're slapping me or something? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> with no context. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Love you, queen. <laughs> Thank you, daughter, for having me on your podcast. What a treat this has been. <laughs> and I would love to come back anytime. Okay, great. Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> See you soon. Thank you for being here with me and my mom. My mom and I talk about books just about every day, and it was super fun to record a conversation. She'll be back to interview readers next week. But until then, she'd like me to remind you to subscribe and to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go to Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast and tell her about your 2023 reading goals and if you think me interviewing her should become a yearly tradition. You can also follow my photography account at Erin Snaps. That's at E-R-I-N underscore S-N-A-P-S. Thank you for joining us today and all year, and we will see you at the library. Excellent.